As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I discuss the Sixers' 2 and 2 start to the season, focusing in on the struggles of Joel Embiid and the play of second-year point guard Tyrese Maxey. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, a part of the Athletics Podcast Network. You know, one day I'm going to actually change that intro and say something different. Today is not that day. I didn't think ahead of it, but I should try changing that up every now and then. But how you doing, Rich? Just to try and keep me on my toes to to say, hey, what, what are you doing? It's different than the way we. It's amazing. We go it's about. a lot like you know when you, you you drive and you go places and people are like, well, what 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 are the directions? How do you get there? And you're like, well, truth be told, I don't tr- I don't actually know the name of the streets. I just it's like autopilot. The beginning of the podcast is on autopilot. I truly do hope you are doing well. But even if I didn't care, I probably would say that anyway. But how you doing, Rich? I'm okay. Yeah, it's like the the car gets you there sometimes, which is probably also not the best way <laughs> yeah. to uh, to drive, considering like it could hurt somebody if you're not paying attention. But that, unfortunately, I think that's a, a feeling a lot of people uh, you know, they, they can relate to. They, they've had that happen. All right. So the Sixers. We have a podcast that we think we're going to stay on point and talk about basketball on this podcast. I'm very excited. Uh, We don't have any major updates on he who shall not be named. Uh, We took care of most of that in the last podcast. I'm sure we'll have updates soon. But in the meantime, we are going to talk about basketball stuff that's going on on the court. Unfortunately, that means we're going to talk about stuff that's going on on the court. Sixers right now do not look the crispest they've ever looked. They are two and two on a season beat a just completely garbage Oklahoma City Thunder team, which you expected, and then lost to a Knicks team, which isn't the most shocking loss in the world, but they did not look good, especially in that second quarter because of that. And then you've got some more overarching concerns. Joel Embiid still just doesn't really look himself physically or his game. I looked at the numbers um, coming into last uh, the, the game against the Knicks. He was shooting like 26% on his mid-range jumpers. Part of his struggles overall is that he just doesn't look right physically. Part of it's that those shots aren't going in. Uh, Tyrese Maxey doesn't look like he's quite ready, or at least he hasn't shown signs that he's ready yet. What? 
overarching sort of thought on where this team stands. What's your impression now after four games? Yeah, they're they're not in a horrible place from the standings, I would say, but you nailed the two big concerns for me. And that is your best player doesn't even look close to like himself when it comes to scoring and the thing that really makes him an MVP level player. And the young guy that you're counting on is playing horrible. And you, you want to, I, I, people are already screaming right right now listening, Doc Rivers, put him in a fucking pick and roll, sure. all this stuff. Look, I, I don't disagree completely, but Maxi is still playing horrible, uh, independent of that as well. Uh, and, and those are the, the two where, where we're at with the, uh, with the team right now. Um, so like, no, have they had some good moments admittedly against some really bad competition? Sure. But, but yeah, it's, it's not a very good team right now. And because of those two factors, considering he, who must not be named, we can name him, considering Ben Simmons is, I don't know when he's going to play. Like he's, you certainly can't rely on him coming back shortly. Maybe he does. I don't know. Uh, but but considering he has not been part of this team and what we have seen from him so far, I think that's very concerning, the, the two things. That Maxi does not look like he's comfortable right now. And and Embiid, you mentioned the uh the mid-range shooting. I think he's up he's up to 38% now. Not good on uh on cleaning the glass from mid-range. Uh here's the real concerning stat for me. 20% of his shots right now are at the rim. That's horrible. Yeah. And that tells me there's a guy who can't play with the requisite level of force that he has used throughout his career. I mean, I don't I, I don't know where he's at free throw wise. He shot a bunch last night because he he got Mitchell Robinson to jump a bunch of times, which uh which he's known to do. And, and there are a lot of areas of his game that look okay. Like I think the defense has looked okay. I think the or it's been it's been good even, I would say. The passing has looked okay. But like this is a guy last year, he was scoring twenty points in the first half all the time. He can barely crack twenty points right now. It's uh, difficult for him to score. And the two games you really saw it manifest were the Knicks game last night, and at the end of that Brooklyn game, he just doesn't get easy baskets anymore. And that's an issue. Uh, number one, it's an issue of okay, you know, is this guy going to be? Is he going to get better like during the season? Do they need to have him sit out for a while? Do they need to have him have surgery? I know that's that's a scary thing to say. Do they need to do that? That's number one. And uh, number two, like, is he? Uh, is it even worth it? Like, if, if he's going to play like this, like, is it? W- what are you playing for if he's already soldiering through an injury? I mean, he got injured the second the season started. It was three possessions into the game when this happened. So yeah, it's uh, that it wasn't a lot of happy stuff in there. Right, we can get into Maxi in a little bit, but I, I with the two very important pieces of, of the team kind of playing like this, it's it's not good times right now for this team. Yeah, so here's I've 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 got some shooting locations up here. And these are this is from basketball reference, so the locations are slightly different. The definitions are slightly different. You brought up the mid-range. Um in terms of long mid-range, long two-point jumpers, sixteen point seven percent of his attempts are coming from sixteen between sixteen feet and a three point line. That's slightly higher than it normally is. It's normally around thirteen percent. Uh, but he is shooting 22.2% on those jumpers. He shot 50.4% last year. So some of those just aren't going in. I think that will eventually even out over time. Maybe not to 50.4%. That might end up being a career high. But certainly at least, you know, before that, he was in the 35 to 40% range for his career. You expect him to at least get back up to there. 
but some of the shot location stuff is starting to get a little bit concerning. You know, he's got in, in terms of between uh, he's got one dunk so far on a season. That is about a third of what he would typically have. Again, it's small enough, so it could be noisy. But you combine that with only 9% of his shots are coming in between zero and three feet of the basket. That is typically in the 25 to 30% range. Uh, only 14% are coming from three feet to 10 feet. That's usually in the maybe low 20% range. And a lot of his shots right now are coming between 10 feet and the three-point line. Um, and those have just not been very, you know, it, the combination of the shot profile is changing. The free throw line, and now he got the free throw line 11 times against the Knicks, but before that it was real low. Uh, and then you add in the fact that those jumpers aren't going in right now. He does not look like he's getting to his spots nearly as easily as he was. I don't know how much, I think a lot of that is coming down to, he just doesn't look physically like he's moving. Even when he's playing good defense, he doesn't look like he's a hundred percent physically I wonder how much that um, that that bruised knee is 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 hurting his mobility. Certainly, I thought it was in the first two games. Uh, I don't think he's looked right since, and it seems like he's in his head a little bit right now. You know, I think certainly against the Thunder, I think he was very cognizant of being a passer, and he was taking the double teams and trying to create for his teammates. And by and large, I thought you know I thought they executed uh, well offensively in that game. Uh, he ended up with what twenty two nine and six assists on the night uh, with no turnovers. So I think he, he played well there, but I think he's trying to find that balance. And I don't think he did that well against the Knicks at all. I, I think rather than finding the balance, I think he just settled. Um, and they need to get Joel Embiid back to where he was. And that's the difference between a quadruple A team. And that's putting it politely with the Thunder and the Knicks who, you know, we're going to finish probably in the top 10 in defense with Tibbs barking on the sidelines and all of those things. Certainly a very well coached defensive team. He yeah. can't just pass his way and everything will be okay. I mean, Sixers did not shoot well from three last night after shooting very well for the first three games. So there was a little bit of that last night. There was a little bit of the Knicks, I mean, through two and a half quarters. It was insane. They just didn't yeah. miss a shot. Uh, but they, like, especially with Simmons out, they need him to be MVP level guy who's, Okay, maybe he's not scoring 35 points, but if he is not scoring 35 points, it's because he's getting all the way to the rim and three people are converging on him and he's uh, he's passing out of it. I mean, you just look at a lot of his shots last night. It's like, you know, he's struggling to get even normal post position. I wouldn't call him like a normally like a deep po post position guy, but he's like catching it like 15 feet away and then it's it's one back dribble into a three pointer. He, I, I thought here was a real telling play about how like where his physicality is. Tobias had the ball on the right side in the first half last night, and he was like, come run a pick and roll, and, and Joel, come up here. And Embiid was on the other side of the court, and Tobias literally waving at him, like, get over here, man. And he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. So I, I don't know. I think that just goes to show that you're dealing with a player who can't normally do the things uh, he can, which is like, look, that has to change really quickly because they're not going to win games if uh, if they're getting this version of Joel Embiid. Like they'll be they they could be a five hundred team for a little yeah. while, especially if they play bad teams. But I mean, they got like a West Coast swing coming up in the middle of the month. If he's not near the level he was at last year, if if he's at least not at like ninety percent of the the physical level that allowed Embiid to play that way last year, they're going to get destroyed in those games. He's just. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, and by the way, the uh, the other part of it, too, is we kind of thought, oh, it'd be nice for him to have a little more spacing without Simmons and all that stuff. I He's also getting doubled like crazy. 
I think Maxie is a big culprit there. They're not really paying attention to him all that much. And that's part of it too. Yeah. And I mean, he, he made, he, he attempted one shot in the paint against Knicks one shot. Now, granted that number is artificially deflated because some of the other ones that would have been shots, he got fouled on. Um, so that's, you know, he, like I said, he did go to the free throw line 11 times. First time really this year that he's gone to the free throw line a lot, but he has, um, you know, look, it's sort of like what you said there at the end. They're not going to be as good of a defensive team as they previously were. They're not going to get out in transition as much as they previously did. The way you overcome that is Joel Embiid has to take that space that he has, the extra space that he has, and become a even more efficient, more dynamic, more dominant version, which is tough to say because he was runner-up in MVP last year. But for him to go in the opposite direction, it's uh, it's going to impact them in the one-loss column. Like you said, they've had an easy schedule here uh, so far. Three of the four teams are not good, not NBA-quality defenses. They only really played one, and that was the Knicks. Uh, and they've got a schedule coming up here where they play pretty much every other night, and some nights back-to-backs. Like, there's not many rest days built in here. Getting him back to wherever it needs... And like we said on the last podcast, Doc Rivers said, you know, this isn't something he's going to make worse. Uh, this isn't something he would speed up his recovery by not playing. He better be right because there's a lot of games coming up, and if he is not right, it's it's going to be a lot dicier than people hope. You just don't want to see him. If he's not going to get into the paint and get shots close to the rim, I, it's almost it's almost like what's the point here? Like what what are you doing? I I know he can still make a massive impact on your win loss record, even at fifty percent or wherever he's at right now. It's a uh, it's a bummer. I mean, this team. Obviously, they they have their own self-created drama that has gone on this year. But this is a I, I don't want to say that it's going to be a disaster, but there are some warning signs here that this could go pretty bad uh, unless, you know, unless he just starts to feel better here and just starts to, to play better. I mean, they're I, I, the funny thing is, do you know where they're ranked in offense right now through Hi. four games? Hi. Yeah, they're fourth. Yeah, that's where they are right now. Uh, and that's three garbage ass teams that they played against. Yeah, and their their shooting percentage is the highest on the. Uh, if if you look at cleaning the glass, I don't have it up, but I know coming into the next game, they had like the fourth or fifth lowest expected field goal percentage, and like the fourth highest actual field goal percentage, which tells you that they're making shots. And and by them, I really feel like I mean Seth Curry making shots at a much higher clip than they will throughout the course of the season, if they keep getting those shots, basically what I'm saying is they need to get better shots if they want to keep succeeding offensively. And I think we saw a little bit of that regression there against the Knicks. Yeah. Uh, they're number one now in effective field goal percentage on, on the season, which I like, look, I, which again, uh, one of the things with field effective field goal percentage, it doesn't take into account getting the free throw line, which his team outside of Joel Embiid just simply refuses to do. Um, so yeah. Yeah, their their location effective field goal percentage is uh it's 29th yeah, now in the NBA. So That's what I mean. If they keep getting these shots, you don't expect that they will keep making them at that rate. Uh with combined with the fact that they don't get to the free throw line, they're not a great defensive team, and the fact they're playing garbage ass defenses. And look, the Nets are a good team obviously. You and I both feel like they're uh getting to the NBA finals. They're not a good defense. Pelicans, the Thunder, just garbage ass defenses. Like they're going to have to play better offensively. To, to be competitive against the good defenses in the league. Yeah. And in, in fairness to the Sixers, there's a, it's a little bit of the opposite effect. Their, uh, their defense is forcing a lot of mid-range shots, but teams are making them at a decent clip. So so maybe there's a little bit of regression there too. But 
it, it's like you said, with an MB, it is probably the biggest part of this, but it's it's also no Simmons either. Uh, they are they're in the bottom half of free throw percentage and or free throw rate, and they were first last year. That's you know they've kind of been a uh, you know they've always been a middling team in terms of like they don't shoot a bunch of threes, and and one of the ways they've gotten to at least be a slightly above average offense is they take a shit ton of free throws. And that's kind of the worry with, with Embiid not being out because I thought even the free throws he generated last night, some of them were, were because of like force, but, but some of them were just kind of his guile and, and Mitch Robinson being a little too over aggressive, which by the way, that's a big way he draws fouls, but it shouldn't be the only way he draws fouls. So yeah, it's uh it's concerning. I mean, you, you have him talking about, uh, I think Ramona Shelburne reported today that he couldn't walk for two days after the, uh, after the Pelicans. It's, I mean, that's, that's a worst case scenario. Uh, it's, uh, you know, to be dealing with Embiid injury drama already on top of everything else you're dealing with. It's not good. It's, it's, it's par for the course for this organization, but it's straight up not good. No. So. And it, it, we, we, Embiid had a healthy season for like two minutes. Hopefully, this is something that is temporary, uh, but it is. It, it definitely has impacted them in a major way. Uh, all right, so moving on to Young Maxi, which I feel like we talked about a lot in the last podcast. We probably don't have to go too deep on this one, but I think there's a lot of people who have sort of two reactions. One, he's young, give him time. I agree with to some extent, but you have to build a contender this year. Uh, and the other being Doc's misuse of him. Where do you sort of stand on either of those two arguments? Oh, he's young. Give him time is, I think that's definitely a, a sentiment worth pointing out, even while saying he has stunk <laughs> through four games. I, but you just have to be like, you have to be honest. Like he's the starting point guard on this team. And I, I haven't looked at all 30 starting point guards, but if he hasn't been the worst starting point guard in the league so far, I, I would imagine he's pretty close. And look, we're just four games in. You know, four game a, four, a bad four game stretch in March, when it's not 100 percent of the sample size. I'm sure he would be like a minor topic on the pod if if he had you know played well during it. Uh, so so as far as Doc is concerned, I, I looked it up. He has re- he has run 43 possessions of of pick and roll so far this year. That's uh, ten a game. It's a good amount. Yeah, it's really, it's not, it's not a, I'm looking at the percentage of time here that ranks him. He's kind of like right around 30 in the league, like 30% of his possession. So to to say he's running zero pick and rolls, I, I don't think that's fair. I also like think Doc. The, the highest usage ones will run like maybe 40% of their possessions as pick and rolls. And then sort of like uh, Tobias Harris will usually run like maybe 20 to 25%. So, like, if you're in the 30% or low 30s, like, it's not like you're not being used in pick and rolls. This isn't Brett Brown with J.J. Redick level pick and roll usage. No. Uh, and I think, you know, as much flack as Doc is getting, uh, and I, I, have, I have some problems with the off-ball spacing. We can get there in a second. Uh, he seems to realize that because there were a couple things that were pretty interesting last night. First off, I think Stan Van Gundy kind of let the cat out of the bag from maybe his pregame talk with Doc, because he basically said Shake is going to start when he comes back. And, and the yeah. other thing Doc did was he changed the sub-patterns up to where Maxi was running the second unit, yeah. where 
he could have the ball more. I think that's a good decision, by the way. You know, Doc is he's taking his lumps right now, and I don't think it's uh completely undeserved, but I think that's the, the right move. And in terms of like, was it obvious to do right away? No, no, it wasn't, because Cork Maz is your other ball handler right now. So I, I am not gonna get on him too hard for that. Uh of course it didn't go well last night. I thought the Sixers backups in the first half played about as bad of a five or six minutes as you can. That was not all Maxie's fault by any stretch of the imagination. But I think he understands like, okay, we're going to get this guy running pick and roll. I I just think that that nice little double drag they run with Drummond and Niang, you're going to see that a lot. And there is an an understanding that that is where he's going to, uh, to thrive. Um, so, so maybe he could be used a little bit more. I I don't like that. He's in the dunker spot. I don't really see what, what the, the point of that is like, you do. I I, uh, I do think it's worth pointing out that Doc has said this, and other coaches have said this too. Around a post up, because Joel is on one side of the floor, it's pretty hard to properly space four other guys around the arc. So, I, I kind of wish there was another way they did it, where maybe you space four guys around the arc, and Maxi and Thibel are cutting. There's like some actual movement going on because that felt like the stationary. Uh, Brett Brown post-ups for, for Embiid. Um, were you going to say something? Oh, I just said, yep, but I had myself muted, so it didn't really matter, and all I did was uh, distract you. Okay, so so yeah, I, I and I do at least somewhat understand putting Maxi there, because theoretically you're putting a small defender there, so if that guy has the first double for Embiid. And, yep. but, but also, like, Maxi offers pretty much zero of the offensive rebounding potential zero of the finishing potential that Ben Simmons has, probably zero of the, the screening potential he does on those skip passes over the top. So I, I don't think that is a, a good spot whatsoever. But to put a little bit of the blame on him now, like you said, 30% of pick and rolls, that's not a crazy low amount, number one. Number two, Joel Embiid is not playing well right now. But by the way, like whether he's playing well or not playing well, uh, spotting up off the ball on him, that's part of the gig right. on this team. You're, you're, there are always going to be times when you bring the ball up the court, flip it over to Joel, and let him run the offense. That's just the way this team's going to be run. When you start building a, a team around him and a point guard around him, that's something you have to take into account. He's got to make those spot-up shots. Agreed. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And that's the way almost all of these teams run. Yeah, okay, maybe not Luka, maybe not Trey, maybe not Dame. Although there is a lot of people who, or there are a lot of people who watch them and wonder, hey, like, maybe you should move off the ball a little more. Like, are there some limits to the heliocentrism of those offenses? Which Maxi can't get right now. One, because he has Embiid on his team. And two, he's not good enough to to justify running all those possessions. And I mean, off the ball, you know, there there are possessions like I said it in the Thunder game. Everybody kept yelling about the dunker spot. Even if on the possessions where he wasn't in the dunker spot, 
I saw him making just bad cuts when two guys are around the rim already. He's cutting into no man's land yep. from uh, from mid range. That's there is no way that Doc Rivers is telling him to do that. And by the way, like that's that's on Doc too. Like you you should not have your point guard cutting uh, there. So that's number one. And, and you, I thought you you brought it up in your article from last last night that I, I thought this was this hit the uh, nail right in that. His volume from three is not horrible right now. He's like taking a decent amount considering where he was a season ago. But if you watch him, the ones he takes and the ones he passes yeah. up yep. don't seem to make a lot of sense. So the one I brought up last night, it was pretty much like a two minute span in the fourth quarter. I think all three of them came in that span, but he took one, a catch and shoot three from like 27, 28 feet. Like we're talking a couple feet behind a three point line with eight seconds left on the shot clock. No need, like any, he, he struggles from straddling the three point line. There's no reason for him to be taking it from that deep. So he takes that one a couple minutes later, a couple possessions later, wide open corner three hesitates, pump fakes, drives into nowhere, has to kick it out, waste time on the possession. Then a couple possessions later comes down and he's got the widest driving lane you'll ever see fires up from a, with a, from 26 feet for a catch and shoot three. Um, with nobody on him and 20 seconds left on the shot clock. And it's just like some of the, it seems like truthfully, when I watch him, there's so much indecision on what he should be doing off ball. And so far this season, he's shooting one for nine on no dribble three pointers. Not great. Um, he's, he's again, you brought it up. He's, he's, he's short all the time, all the time, so. which again, why those 27, 28 footers are just making my head explode. Especially yeah. when there's time on, left on the shot clock, and especially on that last one where he had a wide open—I mean, the easiest drive he would have had to the basket all 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 game, maybe all year. And you know, I, there's it seems like there's so much indecision on what he should be doing off ball, not just from where Doc's putting him, but just in terms of his own what's going through his head. And I think at some point he realizes, shit, I've been hesitating on these jumpers. I got to take some of them to keep the defense honest. And then he overcompensates and takes really bad shots that have no shot of going in. So I think there's a little bit of uncertainty. I do think he looks a little more comfortable when he's playing with that bench unit. And like yep. you said, like uh, he's probably one shake and shake was upgraded to what questionable. I think it was today. So shake could be back soon. And we talked about this a little beforehand. And my sort of stance there was that you almost have to give Tyrese a chance to win it because he's the only one who really has a chance to elevate his level of play to the point where he could actually be a solution at that spot. I still sort of believe that. I just worry that Tyrese isn't, ready for that yet which again going back to how we started this you can agree that he's really young with a lot of potential and could be entirely better two three four years down the line and we and also say like he's probably not ready yet no and i think it's a pretty obvious move you bring him off the bench you let him run with by the way with a better pick and roll center like drummond is a better pick and roll center than joel i would say just in general already he's definitely a better pick and roll center if his knee is all messed up right now yep and with niang and okay thibel's not really helping you with the shooting but with his his eyes uh, going through one of those offensive stretches right now it's just uh, not great uh but but it's it's a better ecosystem for him to play to his strengths i think he and, made, and, he's made two shots against next didn't he maybe even three hold on what was he made, yeah three he made for like, five that is an offensive explosion from matisse thibel you should retract that statement an issue and apology. He really only scores on those those back cuts now, yeah. where where they completely lose uh, lose sight of him. I, I do crack up a little bit after like a. I feel like this happens once a game after 
a badly missed three and there's a run out in the other end and it's like a forward dribbling the ball up, he will, it's almost like the mystery was on purpose so he can get the back tap steal and the Sixers have like a three on two going the other way because he does it. It's crazy. It's just, he's a very unique player very in, unique. A, in a lot of ways. But for, I mean, that, for was, the NBA. that was one of our keys to the season. Um, you need him to improve enough offensively to warrant or be, be able to justify uh, uptick in minutes. And he just, he hasn't yet. He's made one three pointer in, uh, in 90 minutes of play. Need more. Yeah. Yes, you do. Uh, so we, yeah, we I, talk about all that. I'm sorry. If we talk about all that spacing, well, you've got two, two guys right now in Maxi and Thibel in the regular rotation that you can just leave with reckless abandon. They're still not, even without Ben Simmons, they're not a, not only do they not have the perimeter shot creation, they still don't really have the spacing either. No, but, but that second unit with Niang and Drummond, and I don't know who the other person, I mean, Isaiah Joe's not playing well right now. I just put it that way. He's it's good though. Next year he'll learn. Don't make too many in the preseason. So you'll save it up for when it actually matters. It, it, it takes a few years to learn that type of stuff. It's, it's no big deal. Also uh, somebody get him on a high protein diet. Anything that it could just gain two pounds, two pounds in the off season. That would be great. Yeah. So, so put Maxi on that backup unit and I think he's going to play better. I, I really do. And, and here's the thing too, like by starting shake, uh, first off, Embiid spacing is going to get better on, I, I don't know where, where Doc would position him. I, I would hope not in the dunker spot. They would try and do something a little bit more creative, but shake as a, a catch and shoot guy, much bigger threat than sure. Maxi. Um, so that's the first part. And uh, the, the good news about that is like, Hey, if Maxi is playing great, you know, like let's say he starts cooking with that second unit, you can have him close games. I, I don't, you know, n- nobody would complain about that, but I, I, I do think that's a, a fairly obvious move because you're just looking to develop this guy. And uh, right now it's just not happening on that first unit. And, and, you know, it's only been four games, but frankly, I'm not liking the, the signs of, of no, what's to come. The reason that I give a little more credence to this than a, a typical four game sample size is because when you were looking at Tyrese Max and projecting again, not whether or not he can be a productive player on the team, not whether or not he is still intriguing long-term, but when you're projecting, could he actually be the lead guard or the starting point guard on a team with these kind of aspirations? He needed to fix some of the fundamental flaws in his game from last year and from Kentucky and from all the years that we've been scouting him. So the reason why these four-game sample size might be a little more concerning, again, not concerning for his long-term potential, concerning for whether or not he's ready to be the starting point guard now, the reason it's concerning is because it the flaws we're talking about are flaws that he had last year. Um, so it, it, it's, it's just sort of reinforcing the limitations he previously had. And again, none of this says we're not excited about Tyrese Maxey. It's just the question that we're asking, is he ready to fill that role right now? Not a, not, not, not great early returns on that. No. All right. So, so we talked about those two guys, you know, they, they did go one and one during the stretch. Although my God, Oklahoma city is so bad. Uh, yeah. Any positives we can talk about? Seth Curry. I, well, really his shoot. his first quarter was just incredible. Um, can really shoot, as you were as you were saying there. Uh, Danny Green sort of had a, a decent bounce back game after really struggling there in the early going. Certainly, the first two games he really struggled. Uh, so I think he's gone something like seven of thirteen from three over the last two games. As we said, that that those numbers will eventually come back uh, to what you expect. Um, it's not a whole lot. I mean, Tobias Harris was I thought really good last night. Uh, yeah. And Tobias hasn't been great all season long. Um, he's been solid for the most part, but the even beyond the scoring and 
I mean, the Sixers struggled to generate offense through most of the night. Uh, he, I thought, made some pretty good passes. And look, do I think Tobias Harris is going to change who he is as a player this deep in his career? No. But in terms of how he played the other night, I, I really like the game that he played. Still doesn't get the free throw line, but everything else is, uh, you know, played well against the Knicks. Um, and to be honest, I don't think their defense was as bad as it looked in that first half. Oh, not in the first half, because the first quarter was really good. I don't think it was as bad as it looked in the, those middle quarters. Um, yeah. I do think they made some, you know, I do think there were some breakdowns. Uh, I think that it is easy to say, ah, they made shots. Well, I think some of those shots shouldn't have been there. <laughs> no. But I think that you give those, let let that second and third quarter play out 15 times. That might be the most points the Knicks score in any of those. Definitely. Uh, so I don't think it's quite as dire as it looked in that instance. But it, I mean, it was tough to watch for sure. For sure. It was extremely tough to watch. The uh, Ben Simmons, though, still undefeated against he the is. Knicks. So. 15 straight. Well, it, did he had 15 straight? I know the team had 15 straight. It doesn't matter. Ben Simmons is undefeated against the Knicks. That is true. That is true. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, Tibbs is shaking shaking his boots because I think they're they're going to play each other in about a week and a half again. Tibbs is hoping this uh, this mental health break that he's on is lasts at least that long. But we we will see if that uh, if that returns. I, I think as far as Dan, Danny might be the number one guy. He needs Ben back because he yeah. just he can play. You know, his good off ball defense. He's he's getting a lot. Well, because Danny's uh, so good in transition and so good at getting to that corner in transition and, and finding that corner sidestepping or backstepping into that corner that, uh, yeah, someone who can push the ball like Ben would really help him. And also the defensive burden. Yeah. He might be the number one. Yeah. That was a weird game. The the Knicks game, because I thought the first quarter, the Sixers just out executed the Knicks by a lot. And I I think it was like a one point game, three point game after the first quarter. But I mean, the Sixers were ice cold from three. Curry finally started to miss wide open threes. You know, if he made every single one of them pretty much in Oklahoma city, Got the exact same shots against the Knicks. They didn't go in. Such is life. That's how that's how it works once in a while. Uh, I, I do think uh, it, it has been brought up. The uh, th- That was a nice move. Uh, Seth Curry for Josh Richardson. One of the better sneaky deals going on uh, on Daryl Morey's uh, record. Yeah. That, sure. uh Yeah. No, that was that was a, a, a big one. I mean, look, a lot of the attention on moves will either focus towards superstar moves or draft picks. In terms of, like you said, sort of like sneaky, somewhat low profile, just swapping two similarly thought about veterans, uh, except one that uh, trading one that didn't fit at all for one that fit almost perfectly. Um, and relatively youngish, good contract. Uh, yeah, that was a, a big move for sure. Would be even better if you could defend Kevin Herter, but uh, we will <laughs> see whether or not Doc can scheme around that next time around. Uh... Right, look. Seth I'm Curry, Seth Curry got him paid. He got him paid. I'm looking at it now. Uh, Shake is questionable for yeah. tomorrow night's game against uh, the Pistons. I, by the way, I, I said it last time. Wouldn't be a bad spot to get the big guy some rest if he needs just a couple days. You know, if if that is what you're going to go on, like especially if Drummond can play this time. He's playing his own old team. You know, get a little get a little revenge that way. Sure. But that's that's not a good ball club, and you're playing at home and. Look, I, you know, we talked about what a dire spot they're in if uh, if Embiid is not 100% healthy. I, I would not be opposed to them just trying to sneak wins by uh, by the skin of their teeth and saying, hey, uh, a win's a win, and if we win by five against a bad team with uh, with Cork taking, you know, 40% of our shots, we, we will deal. And you that. always worry a little bit, 
You know, I think Joel Embiid feels like he uh, his his lack of playing cost him an All NBA selection a couple years back. I think he feels like probably his lack of playing cost him an MVP last year. He's and right. You get that, but if you keep playing like this, you're not even going to be in the conversation. So, if taking a night or two off of rest is going to get you back to your potential, then it has got to happen. Got to happen. He- He's got MVP should not be in his vocabulary. I mean, it's just it's going to be hard to win for him. It just, and I, I I think he knows that deep down because he has admitted on the record a few times. Hey, uh, I took it way too hard in 2018, 19. I went too crazy for that. And last year, you wonder if he would have went too crazy if he didn't have an injury that said, hey, you have to sit out for three weeks because you actually can't play on this at all. Yeah. Uh, Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah, it's that's the concern. If uh, you're, you're right, though, like honestly, if he was a hundred percent and he was, let's say they lose by fifteen, but the Sixers don't shoot well and the Knicks just slice and dice them offensively. It, by the way, I, I know a lot of people probably hate the Knicks. I I got a kick out of watching Kemba get the crowd to go nuts. I think that's a cool story. Um, if that is all that happened, that's hey, look that there's eighty two of these things. They're not all going to be pretty, you know, you, you can still honestly get the one seed with a decent amount of those losses. But uh, yeah, that getting him back to 100%, if you can do that, that's that's the biggest part. Of this. Yep. Nope. Uh, and those were probably the two focuses of the podcast on one, because you are evaluating Tyrese Maxey to see whether or not, you know, basically when this Ben Simmons trade happens, you're evaluating Tyrese Maxey so you know what you need to target. So there's going to be extra attention focused on there. Doesn't change the long-term intrigue of him, but the other focus being Joel Embiid, because if he's not playing at an MVP level, none of this fucking matters anyway. So far, he hasn't been playing anywhere close to an MVP level. I do agree if if resting him a night or two can help. Um, I'm not a doctor, but sounds good to me. It's early the, days, but... Well, the, the other part of this, too, is uh, it just has the feel... like. like Maybe I'll sound like an idiot after. Oh, you, you know, will. I'm just not sure if you'll sound like an idiot on this statement. Sure, sure. Uh, after four games, 
it just feels like this is a team. Just get into the playoffs one way or another. Yeah. Don't, well, don't worry about your seed. You're, you've got so much uncertainty and crazy shit going on. The, the idea of Embiid pushing it, I, I, I do like the idea that he's taking more of a leadership role on. I, I truly believe he means that. Like, I think it, a lot of people thought it was, oh, he went on dinner. He went to dinner in New Orleans. Oh, big whoop. For him, that is kind of a big whoop. He like he literally would just. He doesn't do it. Yep. He, he does not like. Uh, going out uh well remember and, and when, when he was it. going to the uh the bubble he's like i'm not leaving the bubble i just want to go back to my room and play video games there's just a little bit of truth to that yeah so i i do think he has taken that role on and that's an encouraging sign i think that's that's great that, that he's doing that but you gotta be smart and uh look it, if this is something they can get better it, with you know like a week's rest or something like that get a lot better i think that's something you you might want to take a look at Part of being a leader is seeing the forest for the trees, and they need him to get right. Uh, it sucks that he bumped knees there in the opener, but it is what it is. You have to make the best decisions now going forward. I am more than a little bit concerned with how he looks. But early days, they do have a lot of a shit ton of games coming up. Um, we'll see. Ho- hopefully, the next time we have this podcast, we will not be talking about Joel Embiid's knees. I'm a little bit concerned that we will be. Any other stray thoughts here? Because we don't want to go too long. We are back now on a two pod a week schedule with the regular season backs. We'll try to keep these a little shorter, a little less meandering. Any other stray thoughts here before we head out? Yeah, winnable four game homestand coming up here. The Hawks are really the the only major contender, I would say, from this group. And you would think the Sixers they, they might have a little extra motivation for that one. So you know, four games. Oh, the the Bulls are undefeated. Bulls I forgot undefeated. about that yep. as well. Uh Pistons, but, Hawks, Blazers, Bulls, for those who don't have a schedule up in front of you. Look, I think that's, we'll, we'll see. I mean, if Embiid is not playing, then it, then it gets dicey. If he's not playing at a high level, again, we'll see. But there, I would say that none of those games scared me as much as like the Brooklyn game would. So, sure. Uh, sure. yeah, so, so we, we will have another pod probably in the middle of it. And uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully the big guy looks a little bit better, but. And that's for sure this sort of the shame of it is they played only one team you would really classify as a contender so far in their f- first four games as good as the Knicks are and as good of a story as they are and I think they'll be better this year but I still think they're a class below true contender played one contender and they handled them for most of the night how different would this conference I mean look I, I still think this conversation would mostly be the same just because Joel Embiid hasn't looked like an MVP would be would be the same but how, how yeah. different would sort of the feeling around the team be if they had just closed out that game we're sitting here three and one all right you had one stinker against the Knicks in the second quarter but you had that win to, against the, the the Nets to hang your hat on, but they didn't. The Nets went on a sixteen to one run, and here we are. Would have been nice for them to bank it, but I think we would have had the same conversation because uh, the warning signs for the future are not great. Yeah, you you need Joel Embiid to play at an MVP level, or none of this matters. And so far, he hasn't looked that way. But we'll see how his knee reacts, and once his knee comes back, maybe he just goes back to being his dominant self. Certainly capable. Certainly frankly, what I expect, but um, have to take care of that knee. All right. Thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. See you, man.